I'm Grace Allen. And I'm Ricardo Allen. And we are The Allens. Welcome to our podcast where we share our unfiltered insights, perspective, and knowledge on this roller coaster of a ride that we call life. Ricardo Allen is down at the 42 and a half, 43. Join us as we go all in on all topics, ranging from changing diapers to preparing for Super Bowl Sunday. Guns it across the middle. Ricardo Allen, the interception. 35, 30, Allen 25. Welcome to All In with The Allens. So, Luna was born 7.01 a.m. on Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. Yeah. 2020. She was born. The bright spot of 2020. Yeah, she really has been. And she is the best baby. Yeah, she's so cool. Oh my gosh. Like, and chill. She is so chill. She is so easygoing. She's been here before. Yes, 1,000%. Um, Everything about my pregnancy makes sense now that I've met her. Like, there was a point in time when I was kind of like, does this baby hate me? Like, when I was pregnant and all those things I was facing, I was so confused about, like, why it was all so hard. I was about to add a swipe up on Instagram to sell it off rip. What? (laughs) Speak for yourself. That was never an option. Even if the child was going to torture me until the day I died. Yeah, autograph football with a baby. That is not an option. (laughs) Something is definitely wrong with you. Um, For donation purposes. Okay. (laughs) This is your daughter's birth story. I'm a man. Get it together. So, but then now that we've met her, I feel like she's just like so sure of everything. Like you said, she's been here before. Like she just knew how she wanted to be born. She knew how she wanted to be positioned in my womb. Like everything about it. She, she's just like very sure of herself. Already. And for that to be the personality of a daughter, I can't wait to see what this little girl does. Yeah. She's going to be lit. I don't know. I don't, I don't think she'll be lit. No, she's not lit like Lenny lit. Yeah, no. Lenny and Luna are very different so far. Elon Musk. What? I'm joking. What does that even mean? It's like smart like him. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're they're both obviously smart. Lenny yeah. is our turn up child, like definitely the soul of the family when like it comes Rihanna. to like, I'm so confused with the analogies <laughs> joking, that you're making of your children, but Lenny is like the life Those of the party. People, though. They are. Lenny's the life of the party. And I just feel like Luna's just going to be this like constant, really determined I don't know. We'll see. She's a week old. I could be, to- I could be totally wrong. Beyonce. How about that? Okay. Yeah. But anyway, where was I? Talking about this Luna. Yeah. So she was born. She was born in the morning, 701. Oh. And it was a successful, if you've been following my journey, it was a successful breach. Yeah. Vaginal birth after two cesareans during COVID-19. Some crazy stuff. I've got to yeah. say it out loud sometimes just to to hear that like that actually really happened. You talked it you spoke it into existence. I believe I believe in that. Yeah, for real. I truly do. And I believe that I prayed it into existence as well. And I believe that I educated it into existence. Like I think there were so many pieces of that puzzle that all fit perfectly together to like actually make it happen. Yeah. Cause I feel like we talked about it. For yeah. quite a while. Because it was something you wanted to do. It was, it, it, 
you, you got to kind of like choose to do it, you know, at that point in time. Yeah. You know, but we thought it was fitting for. Did it ever scare you? Yeah, for sure. Because that's it the did. thing that a lot of people have asked me. Like, did Rico support you? Like. Yeah, it was. I, and I'm not even just talking about the moment of like when she was being born, but like the whole process of me wanting to be back and like doing so much to educate myself and like through the whole pregnancy, like what? Did that, like, I knew you supported me, obviously. Yeah, I, for sure. We talked about that, but, like, did it, did it scare you? Is scare the right word? No, it's just, like, nah, it, probably not scare. It was just, like, you know me, if I don't know enough about, like, the education or if I don't know enough about, like, all that kind of stuff, like. Like, about the topic? Yeah, I, don't, I try not to, you know, over-insert myself, mm. you know, yeah. in my opinions within, yeah. like, it. But I just know that, like, having C-section isn't, like, the best thing, you know. Either. I mean, Either. You, you watched me live that twice. Yeah, for sure. And I've, I've been in there, and, and I'm nervous in there, too. Right. So it's like. Listen, it's all nerve-wracking. Yeah, it, it's, it's like a risk. It's just the risk that, you you know, you take. But I think that's where you go and find, like, the specialist or yeah. the people that do know. And you have, have to build. Had. You have to build the best team around you yeah. for like whatever it is that you're trying to anything do. Anything in life. It's it's having a baby. It's anything in life. Like yeah. you Being have a professional athlete. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Like there's so many people that fit in to the final outcome of so much of life, and I I can now honestly say doing it so different this time around than I did the first two. It's true about birth too. Yeah. Like you have to equip yourself with the right people yeah. and make sure that the people that you're choosing to walk with you on that journey share a similar mindset. And even if they don't have the same mindset that they respect and truly value like your goals yeah. and what you want as the mother and the the mother of that baby, like what you want for your birth. Cause at the end of the day, it's your birth, Yeah, you know? And I think and that's, that's something like, all we can do is, you know, all I can do is be, you know, your support system. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that was, that's like one of the things that you wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Why not? You know, if I, I it's your body. It's your, you yeah. know, I, the men, yeah, we love the babies. We love the babies, you know, but it's like going through that, you know, nine month, 10 month, you know, journey. Mm -hmm. That's alone. You know, we yeah, don't, we don't, no. we don't feel a lot of those kicks. We don't feel, you know. Yeah. We don't, you know. You weren't with me in the hospital in the beginning. No, like, not all the time. So it's just got. I got to be like, be realistic. I can say, you know, yeah, I'm I'm nervous about some things, but I'm not gonna act like I I know everything. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, but you were you were very supportive throughout the whole thing, and we did talk a lot about it, and I appreciated you appeasing me in the sense of like you watched the documentaries with me and you did some of the things that I know like that was really the last thing that you wanted to spend your downtime doing but but you did that for me and it was important you know for me to feel supported and that like you were you know with me so I do appreciate that so let's get in to the details Luna was born like I mentioned Tuesday morning 701 a.m and my first true labor contraction hit at 1.08 p.m. on Sunday. So we actually had just gotten groceries delivered, got the kids down for a nap. You and I were sitting on the front porch, like Lysol, Clorox, wiping all the groceries down like we do before bringing them in. And I remember like I looked at you and I was like, hmm, that felt a little bit different, you know? And yeah. I was like, can you make a note in your phone 
of the time. And so you wrote down 108 PM. And I just said something to you, like my mom was in town. I didn't like, I didn't say anything. I didn't text my girlfriends. Like I just knew that if this was the beginning of labor, like I needed to go internal. Like it was, it was something that I needed to do for myself. And I didn't almost want to feel the pressure of people like, well, what's going on? What's happening? So I just didn't say anything to anybody. So for the rest of the day, Sunday, we just played with the kids, did normal, normal life stuff, went to bed Sunday night. And I remember thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe like something's really going to happen tonight. We'll see. And I had a doctor's appointment Monday morning. So during the night on Sunday, I was having like one or two contractions an hour that were waking me up. These weren't the, these weren't the crazy ones yet. Do you remember which night this was? Yeah, I remember. This is the first night. Okay. So Luca was actually sleeping with us (laughs) and- I think I was rubbing your back. You were rubbing my back and they were, like I said, it was like one or two an hour and I was just uncomfortable and I was, the difference was I was able to sleep in between them. So at least I got maybe two hours of sleep on Sunday night. So we, yeah, because you wake up you every now and then you tap me and just yeah, I would just wake you and be like, please, just like rub my back, <laughs> you know, like please. And so we woke up on Monday morning and you were able to come with me to the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. And this was the first time that I had had my cervix checked because I had heard from a lot of people that that's like a really mental thing because you can think like, oh, you're having all these contractions, and then you get there and your doctor is like, oh, you have no labor progress, and then you just feel terrible. So. Until that 40 week appointment, we just didn't do that because I was, I know myself and I knew I needed to stay out of my head as much as possible. But that morning, obviously it was my due date. I was like, let's just like check my cervix. Let me know what's going on. I was up, you know, most of the night having contractions and he was like, okay, well, you're one and a half, almost two centimeters dilated, 50% effaced. And I was like very encouraged by that because it made me realize that what I had been feeling for the last 18 hours, almost that point, like that it was doing something. Yep. So we on drove, its way. it was on its way, you know? <laughs> and so we drove home in the car together, got home around 11. You had work. I got in the pool with the kids, um, got like the, you know, the last minute kind of last minute hospital stuff bag, hospital stuff packed in, in our bags, like just thinking like, okay, you know, this probably is going to be coming sometime soon, regardless of how it works out. And then around like 4.30 PM, they started really ramping up. They were bumping. bumping. Like I looked at you (laughs) and I was like, I'm going to go get in the bathtub because if you get in the bath, this is a little thing that my doula taught me. If you get in the bathtub when you're having what you think are contractions and they stop, they're not labor contractions. But if you get in the bathtub and your contractions continue, there's a really good chance that that means that it's labor. So that was kind of like the test that I did for myself because they weren't coming like five or six minutes apart like they say labor contractions are. But when those things would hit, like I was having to lean over the counter. You know, I shared that picture on Instagram of like Rico studying his film while I'm having a contraction. And that was very real for like a three hour stretch. And then I shared the next picture that was like three hours later where I was literally on the, on the floor. Like when they would hit, I just had to get to the ground. Like I can't describe the feeling, but I just wanted to crawl out of my own body. What was that like? It looked watching? like, uh, you can be, just be really honest. Like what the hell rough. was going through your like mind? He was getting like, uh, electrocuted. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you ever know, like if you, anybody who <laughs> ever uh, had like the stem cell, or like that stem, um, you know, like the, 
the thing that they put the ice and stem. You know, just any athlete. Okay. Or anybody who ever had like ice and stem or treatment. Okay. And they turn it up too too much and it's just like uh, it gets to a point that like your leg like locks up and you get like kind of like a Charlie horse. You okay. Know? Yeah. Okay. That's kind of look like what you was having all the time. You're just oh like, my gosh. Out of blue, you just like, oh, here it comes. It's like, oh. And that's the part that's crazy is you feel, <laughs> you feel it when it starts to like come and you try to brace yourself. But when you, but by bracing yourself. You stop breathing. You stop breathing. <laughs> and then you like, your that entire ball. body you're tenses up. Out. And then you're about to pass out. And then you're, you're literally fighting against your body doing what it needs to do. So it's like, you're trying to tell yourself to relax. So long story short, it's now like 8 PM. Kids are in bed. I tell Rico, I'm like, listen, I am tough and I have a very high pain tolerance. <laughs> and if this is not labor, like this is going to kill me. <laughs> like straight up, I am going to die if this is not the real thing, because it got discouraging because I was timing them. And yeah, they were like 12 minutes apart uh-huh. at this point, but they weren't six. And like my doctor said, like until they're six to eight minutes apart, like don't no even call. call. <laughs> and then I remember it was like 10 o'clock at night and we were in bed. And I remember you were like in the garage getting a bottle of water. <laughs> and I had one that was so bad. And like the noises that left my body, I just heard you take off running. Like I, I remember hearing like the garage door close and just your feet like a hundred miles an hour down the hallway. And you're like, are you okay? Like what's going on? Yeah. You was in there like howling. Literally like that's howling is like the, the sounds that left my body were not of this earth. Like it was the most primal. Like I can't imagine the thoughts that were, I probably would have been laughing if I was you. It was like that. Uh, what's like the, uh, the moose calls over there. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh. <laughs> oh my goodness. But really nah, that's, it no, was, it was like a deep throaty, nah. like, yes, it was. I know it, you was hurting though. Oh, I was hurting. Was hurting. I was hurting, but to be honest, it was, it was very painful. But once I realized that I was like in it and there was no turning back, I, ex- I like embraced it. And although it was painful and it was miserable, I would do it a hundred times over again. Man. No, I really would. You couldn't pay me to do that. You couldn't pay I'm me to you, do I'm that. I'm telling you right now. I'm, I'm one week out and I would do it a hundred times over again. No. So, thank so 10. Thank you for making me a man. 1025 <laughs> PM. Another one. And I looked at Rico and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. If this is not labor, I don't know what it is. Like, I think we need to go to the hospital. So it was by the time those words left my mouth, I was having another one that was just as intense. And then I got out of the bed, grabbed like my toothbrush, my cell phone charger. And in the, in the, the moments of me walking from our bed to my bathroom, I had another one. So within like less than eight minutes, I had three back to back to back. And I was like, we have got to go. So all of the last minute items that we thought that we would take to the hospital, including Rico's jump rope. I didn't get to grab it. Did not make it. We flew down I-85 South. Like I had to sit facing backwards in the front seat so that I could like grab onto the seat head. Like what's that called? Like. Headrest? The headrest, yeah. <laughs> so like I'm facing backwards in the front seat of the car, I'm like gripping here, the headrest <laughs> for dear life. You know, just I'm like, just we have to get there. So we finally get there. We get to the hospital at eleven eleven PM, which 
I thought was really cool. Yeah, that was to be honest. I'm like, look at like the stars are aligning. Yeah, at this point, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. We get to labor and delivery, although there was no signage in the building. Like, I'll never forget that feeling of us showing up there. And it's yeah. like, there's no signs telling you where to go. I can hardly walk at this point. Nurses are like... It ain't like you get to do it all the time. We've it, never it, done this yeah, before. It don't like you, you just like go to labor and delivery all the time. <laughs> you just like know exactly where to go. It's like... No, you you need like somebody needs to coach that up. That gotta be like there better. needs to be better signage. Yeah. Like a woman is in labor, you're showing up at the hospital that you've never been to, and there's really no signs telling you where to go. Yeah, so if somebody needs a job, go to Emory and see if you can like Emory Midtown and do yeah. their signage. Yeah, for real. <laughs> That's my only complaint about the the hospital and anything about it was that the signage Efficiency. was terrible. So long story short, these two women are getting off of work and they're like, "Honey, do you need?" do you need help? And yeah, we're like, you can barely get through any door. I'm like, there. yes, we need help. Like which way to labor and delivery. And they point us on and she's like, Oh, you need a wheelchair. I'm like, I do. <laughs> so they get us in a wheelchair, take your temperature before letting us into the hospital. There were yeah. a lot of questions about like what COVID was like, and we'll address that, but got up to triage and they're having me like sign paperwork. And I'm like, listen, whatever this is, just let him sign it for me. Like my eyes are crossing at this point. I'm like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> so they take me back to triage. They separate Rico and I, which is something that this hospital does as well. And got me back to a room. The nurse hooked me up to. Which is weird. Which is weird. Like why? Why was, was somebody in so much pain and so deep of pain, like at a vulnerable time? Like time. So vulnerable. Yeah. They, they take you away. Yeah, I was by myself. Which I, which my doula told me actually, she's like, be prepared for this about Emery. It's a weird thing that they do. You will be separated in triage until you're in your room and then they'll bring him to you. But like in that moment, I'm like, I don't want to be separated. But at that point I was like, just let me lay down before my bones shatter, you know? So they, they get me back and she checked me and she's like, well, what were you at your appointment this morning? And as soon as she said that, I was like, oh shoot, you know, maybe this isn't labor and I'm this is just maybe what this feels like, you know? Yeah. And so I told her and she's like, well, she's like, you're, you're now 80% effaced. And I'd say about two and a half, two to two and a half centimeters dilated. And I was like, all right. And she's like, I'm going to keep you on the machine. I want to call your doctor and find out what he wants us to do. And I'll be right back. So she goes and calls my doctor and he told her to have me walk the halls for an hour and then call him back and tell him if my body had progressed at all. So at this point, we were in like a little triage room trying to debate, like, do we walk the hallways or do I just walk around the room? Yeah. And the whole thing was like, if you were in the hallways or at any part of the hospital where there were other people, you had to wear your mask. Mm -hmm. And so I will never forget laboring in a mask, like trying to breathe, going through labor on its own is hard enough, but then you put a mask on your face. And honestly, that was, that was like, harder I think than the contractions <laughs> themselves I'm not lying like people need to talk about this because you are the training man literally I that was the point that I was like I'm gonna die like I'm really not gonna make it home and I told Rico I'm like you really can't do anything for me right now like I have a feeling this is about to be a long night like just get some rest you know I'm like please just get in that little recliner over there and like go to sleep so he's in the recliner and he actually listened and, and went to sleep and I just remember pacing I was pacing back and forth in this room like 
I mean, I was texting my doula. My doula did not get to attend the birth, but she was incredible, like being available via text message. So I was texting her like, okay, if I can't walk because I literally can't stand up, like what are other things that I can do to help labor progress? And she was like, sit in your bed with your feet flat together and like drop your knees to the bed as much as you can and just kind of like rock back and forth. So I would walk as much as I could and then I would get in the bed and I would I would sit and I would kind of rock and I was just watching the clock thinking like, oh my goodness, I have I have an hour for something to happen before they either send me home or like I came too soon and maybe this is gonna completely jeopardize everything that I've worked so hard for. And they were talking about doing something called therapeutic rest where they would just give me like some type of drug and an IV that would not an epidural because I wasn't at that point, we didn't know if I was getting admitted or not, but just something to kind of take the edge off. So I was able to sleep because they technically can't send you home when you are in labor or having pain. So the nurse comes back in and I had mentally prepared myself for her to tell me that I was the exact same thing that I was one hour prior. Like that was just, I mentally prepared myself for therapeutic rest or to be sent home and for them to tell me like, honey, you're not really in labor. So within one hour, I went from two centimeters dilated and 80% effaced to five. Here, I made a note. I've got to pull it up. I believe. So 11-11, we arrived. Two centimeters dilated, 80% effaced, walked and squatted for an hour. Oh, and this is an important thing. And during that hour, I lost my mucus plug. So a lot of people asked if that had happened. So that did not happen until I was at the hospital. And then um, at one fifty-seven. I got checked again after an hour of walking and squatting with consistent contractions. And she told me that I was almost five centimeters dilated at that point and 80% of face. So I had dilated three centimeters in an hour and she called my doctor back and he was like, okay, admit her. Like she's clearly in labor. So then we had to leave the triage room Mm -hmm. and this incredible nurse I will never forget, I was in the bathroom when the nurse came in to get us and I I heard her voice. I didn't see her, but there was just something about her voice that I was like, I instantly felt calm. And I don't know, that was definitely my intuition because the nurse that I had with me through the night and at Luna's birth honestly was like, like God, God ordained Abigail to be working that night for me because I didn't get to have my doula. And that was something that I was, you know, really kind of like mourning as I realized that it, it was going to happen without her. But Abigail was the perfect combination of the education and the brains and the care of a nurse with like the compassion and what was like, you know, yeah, what was it? Youngness. She, just like her just and her energy some, was so good. Yeah. It's just something about like, I'm not in like hospitals all the time and stuff like that. It's just something about like nerves that seem to like they bump, they must bump into like a, like a, like mean people or I don't know. They just seem like a little stale. Yeah. Well, they work really hard. Yeah, they do. They do but work really but, hard, but they don't have, they, they, they seem like they're, uh, People Maybe like callous. Yeah. You think they're just like callous from well, what they do? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Because they is, just go through the like the motions, motions so much. Yeah. Totally. I mean, that's. I mean, she wasn't that. She was not that. She was so far the opposite. And so I come out of the bathroom and I met, you know, Abigail standing there and she's like, hi, I'm Abigail. I'm going to be your nurse for the night. She's like, we're going to move you into a labor and delivery room. And I was like, okay, can I have a wheelchair? And she looked at me and she was like, no, you have to walk. And I was like, 
I can't walk. And she's like, you have to, you have to walk. I'm like, how far are we going? And she's like the end of the hallway. And the hallway was probably 200 yards. No, it was long. Okay. Was it long? <laughs> I didn't want to say if it was like, cause in my mind I felt like I was never going to make yeah, it like miles. Was so it but was long. Good, yeah. Okay. So it was long. Okay. Yeah. Cause in my mind I'm like, was it really as long as I thought no, it was? It, it because was in that moment, I was like, I'm never going to make it to yeah, the end of the hallway. You was about to try to start running. Oh, and so, so, this was, so this is funny. I forgot about that. So I was having a contraction as soon as she got to the room. And I could hardly walk. I'm like bearing, like holding onto the rails of the hallway. And then my contraction stopped. I forgot I did this. And I literally took off running. And Abigail and Rico were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm not having one right now. Like I need to speed this up. I need to get there before the next one hits. And she's like, you cannot be running. And I'm like, well, you didn't give me a wheelchair. Like you told me I had to get there. Like I'm going to get there. Girl, I had on those cheap ass flip flops too, like in labor. And I did, I took off running like probably a 30 yard sprint and you guys both, I'll never forget the, oh well, I did forget actually. I completely doing, forgot about that part of the story. So I was like, I'm going to get there. So we finally get to our room. I get into the bed and they put in the IV with just because they have, they had to do that. Like I asked questions about everything and they just had to put the IV in my arm, like just in case of an emergency. So at this point I had, through. yeah, I, um, I didn't have anything though until my doctor arrived. The fluids didn't come till later. So by the time we get to the labor and delivery room, it's like around three, 3 AM at three thirty six. Dr. Tate arrived and he checked me and I was seven and a half centimeters dilated and almost completely effaced. So within like an hour, I went from five to seven and a half. And I mean, it was like happening at that point. I was, I was so shocked at how fast my body did what it needed to do. And I was afraid to do anything to compromise that at that point. So that's when my doctor and um, Abigail started talking to me and they're like, what are you going to do about about pain relief. Like, are you going to do an epidural? Do you want to do a paracervical block? And I was like, at this point, I was like, I don't want to do anything because I've gotten this far. Like they say, if you can make it, you know, really to that point, like it, you don't want to slow yourself, you don't down. Want to slow yourself down and you don't want to say like the worst of it is kind of behind you. But by that point, you know, you know what to expect and you figured out ways to like, Move yourself on. you know, to live through it. Like yeah. at that point I was like, I have two centimeters to go. I'm not going to, to do anything that's, that's going to slow me down. And so this was something that I wasn't aware of. There were two, only two things that caught me off guard the entire process. And the first one was that I did not know that in a VBAC, this is about the epidural in a, when you, so if you're going to have a VBAC, at least at Emory, if you do not have an epidural place prior to pushing if it turned into an emergency and they had to take you into the OR, they would put you under general anesthesia and you would be put to sleep during the birth of your child. So I did not really want an epidural because I was like, I've made it this far. But when they told me, okay, well, maybe you need to think about it in this sense. Don't think about it as, do you want an epidural? Think about this potentially becoming worst case scenario and we're rushing you yeah. to the OR for a C-section. Do you want to be awake for the birth of your child? And when Abigail said that to me, I was like, absolutely. Like I did not fight this hard, this pregnancy and this birth that if it does end in a C-section that I want to be asleep for it. Like I want to be as involved and aware as I can. And so when I realized that that was the option, either like have an epidural placed 
and everything can go perfectly fine. You can have your V back or have an epidural placed and you could potentially end up in a C-section and be awake and meet your child. Like I was like, okay, let's do the epidural. So truly the scariest part of the whole thing for me was having the epidural placed just because the contractions were coming so close together at that point that like being able to stay still. Where do you even put that? Where do they even put it? So that's the other thing too. At this hospital, no one can be in the room when the epidural is placed. So Rico had to go out in the hallway. Um, It's placed like right by your spinal cord. So they raised the bed all the way up as high as they can get it. The anesthesiologist was an angel. Like everyone that I had that night was just like the most perfect people for the situation. And I told her, I was like, I'm really scared about this. Like I was just very vulnerable and open about all of my fears. And that was something that I think helped me because speaking it out and allowing people to know like what I was afraid of and what I wasn't really helped in the way that they were able to work with me. So that's something that I really recommend if you are, you know, going to VBAC especially, but if you're going to give birth, like just be very honest with the people that are providing you care so that they can make it, you know, the the best experience for everyone. So my, that was the scariest part for me was having that, that epidural place. Everything went perfectly. It took maybe two minutes to start working and it was incredible. (laughs) I mean, that was the first time in 28 hours that I was not either uncomfortable or feeling pain. So just to be able to, to rest for a little bit was like so good for me. Still felt the stuff. You still, you still felt the sensation, you know, of, of the contractions, but the pain, like that sharp feeling was, was taken away. So this was 4.30 a.m. when I got the epidural. Um, I was amazed at like how much control I still had of my legs and the fact that I could feel, this is what I wrote. I'm reading my note out of my phone because I knew that I'd want to remember this. So I said, 4.30 a.m., I'm resting and feel relief for the first time in 28 hours. I'm amazed at how much control I still have of my legs and the fact that I can feel when contractions come, but the sharp pain isn't there. It's interesting how my body still wants to breathe through them, but there's no pain. So I was so amazed that my body was still doing the same breathing techniques when the contractions would come, but I wasn't able to feel the pain I was feeling before. So it just shows like how made for this we really are. So at this point you're resting, I'm resting. Yeah. Cause this is your first time going through all this stuff too, right? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. No, my body, I had never gone in, I've never gone into labor before. I had no idea what to expect. So from four thirty to five forty. Um, my epidural is placed. We're just kind of resting. My doctor comes in and my contractions pretty much completely stopped. Like they went from coming every three to five minutes to like, I had two in, in 20 minutes. And that was my fear of the epidural is that it's a muscle. It's a relaxer. Your uterus is a muscle. So when you get a muscle relaxer put in your body, your uterus is going to relax as well, you know? And so that was why I wanted to wait as long as I could because if I would have gotten it so much sooner, I think the story could have ended up a lot differently versus like waiting until eight centimeters. So my doctor broke my water um, and gave me 30 minutes to observe just to kind of see what my body did with that. And I progressed another half of a centimeter at this point we are only one and a half centimeters away from like pushing and potentially meeting our baby. He watched it for a half an hour and I was having, you know, a few more than I did when the epidural was placed without having my water broken, but it wasn't enough that like 
all the progress my body had made, it wasn't continuing that. So he did the lowest dose of Pitocin possible. It was like 0.2. And within two minutes, I'm not exaggerating of that being in my body, I was at 10. My, I mean, I was, I was complete and it was like time to push. So I'll never forget him looking at me and saying like, you're complete. Like we, it's time to like meet your baby. And so this was the second thing that caught me off guard was that being a VBAC, I had to deliver in the operating room. So I did not know that going into it. And luckily having had two C-sections, I was pretty comfortable with the OR because that's where I've brought both of my other babies into the world. But I could see if that wasn't the case for someone. Um, Especially you hear them tools. Yes. In the bright lights and like how sterile it is. And you go from being in this, this dark, like I had all the lights off in our hospital room because I had read so much about how bright lights in the hospital slow labor. So I had, (laughs) no, it's true. So that's why, yeah. So that's why I had all the lights turned off. Like the nurses would come in and it was completely, completely dark. Um, so then you get, so, so, okay. So the second thing that caught me off guard was having to deliver in the OR. So they literally wheeled the hospital bed from the labor and delivery room across the hallway to the OR. And the reasoning for that makes a whole lot of sense. And when I thought about it in my mind as like, this is not what I was expecting. Like, this is not what I pictured. I pictured myself pushing and delivering like in a room, but I let that go. And then I reframed it in my mind to think like, this is to, this is to protect me. And this is potentially the difference of everything going okay versus like things potentially not. Like if something were to go wrong, I am right where I need to be. And as soon as I was able to think about it like that, I felt happy about what the situation was going to be. Yeah. And me being able to just watch it from my own perspective, I feel like it, it kind of gives the doctor a little bit more comfort too, mm. to, um, let you be able to push or work a little longer. Right. You know, just in case they just got to move you from, you know, that table to the next table. Right. You know? So I was still in the labor and delivery bed and they just pushed it right up next to the operating room table. Yeah. So Rico was literally wedged between the operating room table and my bed holding my right leg. Yeah. So, so as we are getting ready to transfer- as we're getting ready to transfer over to the OR to push, Dr. Tate said, I want you to give me on this next contraction, I want you to give me three good practice pushes. Like, I just want to see what you're capable of, essentially, like what this is going to look like. And so keep in mind, the baby was breached. So Luna was, came out bottom first with her, her legs folded up to her shoulder. So being the first time I had ever pushed before, that was, not really ideal. You know what I mean? Like I had, I didn't have any practice in my mind of like how babies are typically born. So for me, practice it. for me, this is normal. You don't practice it unless YouTube. you've done you it. Gotta, you gotta make like a YouTube channel. I was going to say, I might have to start teaching people how to push out. <laughs> no, I, you can't make noises. <laughs> what? No. Remember? Oh yeah. Cause you let yeah, the air out. Cause you let the air out. So, so I give three good practice pushes yeah. on the next contraction and the baby's bottom was like almost visible. And he's like, all right, let's go. Like, we got to go have this baby. So we go back to the OR at like 6.35 in the morning. The residents get on the floor for the day, I believe at like 6 or 6.30 a.m. So Dr. Tate asked me like, you know, how? no pressure, but how do you feel about having residents observe the birth? And in my mind, I was like, first of all, when you have a baby, all dignity is out the window. Like 
you are getting cotton swabs in your butthole. Like people are checking your vagina every other week. Like at this point, I'm like, everything is out the window. And all I could think about was, do I really want an audience of people watching me give birth? Not really. But what I do know is that my doctor is like 70, you know, and he is one of two people in the entire state of Georgia that would even allow a woman an opportunity to give birth to a breech baby vaginally. So what I'm really saying is that once he retires, there are not any people that are going to have this skill unless the new doctors that are training learn it. Or, the, or like inspired while like or watching they're it inspired it, watching you know? it and yeah. then they feel confident enough to offer that to women. So in that moment, selfishly, I wanted to say, hell no, like I just want to get my baby out and be, you know, be done with this whole thing. But I was thinking about what happens if I want, you know, I want to be able to, to share my story. And then someone hears this five years from now and it's their turn to have a breech vaginal birth and there's no one willing to do it for them. So I thought about it as like, let me, let me give people this experience and learn, you know, learn from it. So long story short, we get to the OR. How many people would you say were in there? Cause it felt like a lot at that point. I was so, no, it was more than that. At that point I was so in my head about like what was lying ahead of me. And I was so determined to get this baby out. So it was way more than nine because it was Abigail, the nurse, Dr. Tate, the number of residents, I don't remember how many of them there were, but there were definitely more than three. The entire NICU team had to be there because it was a yeah, VBAC. And, and then there was the respiratory team too, because of her being breech, you wanted to make sure that there wasn't any issue with like meconium and stuff. And then you. Anesthesia. Oh, and anesthesia. So there were there were quite a few people. So we get in there about six, like, I don't know, 635, 640. And my first round, I'm going to let you break down my pushing. Cause it's really, it was really funny to hear you talk to Dr. Tate the next morning when he came in to discharge us. Rico was like critiquing. I'm just going to let you tell it. Oh, just like watching you. Okay. But remember like I had the three rounds of contractions. Oh yeah. So like the, the first round. So go ahead. First round was good. He like literally graded my pushing efforts. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> just li- listen to this. Just, this is what we're talking. Go ahead. So like the first round was a, like a, a good round. So you can tell it was progress and it was a good progress. You guys hear this right now? <laughs> this, is, this is what I live with. <laughs> Go so ahead. You'll be able to see about the pushing. I was just trying to figure out like what he was doing and what he yeah. was looking for and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, but you can tell from the pushing or of how much Luna so, was So you out. were holding my knee at this, like my leg up at this point. Yeah. So you were able to see everything. Yeah. Which really, I'm going to go ahead and say, was not part of the plan. No, I, it wasn't part of my plan either. No. I was like, man, I'm not watching this, but it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just something, something about it. It was cool though. I was really, pr- I was really proud of you. Yeah. But back to the critique. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Grade me out on my pushing. Yeah, the first round was really good because your first three, like it was all consistent pushes in like, so every, for every, every one contraction, if you've never pushed a baby out before, you push three times. Yeah. At least that's how my doctor had me do it. Yeah. Okay. So every time you, you stopped and pushed again, it was, um, you could see like progress. Mm-hmm. But the second set. Progress meaning like she was coming out of me. Yes. Okay. So, so before we get to my second set, I uh-huh. have to say something. So the rules with breech vaginal, if you haven't listened to any of my pregnancy updates, if you have, I've talked about all of this before, but for those of you that haven't. The rule with breech vaginal, at least for my doctor, is that he is not allowed to intervene 
or touch or do anything until I pushed up to the baby's nipples out of me. So that's a lot of freaking work. That's yeah. like 75% of my child's body. Yeah, was actually- so my first round of pushes, did Good. I achieve that? No. Okay. So go ahead. No, you still, the butt wasn't even out. Okay. And then, uh, the second round, you, you could tell you was a little tired or whatever. Cause it, it hit snuck so up fast. On, it yeah. did. But they snuck up on you real fast and it, you could just tell, like, you, you wasn't, like, really focused on No, that I wasn't. <laughs> I was not. Yeah, because you wasn't, like, holding your breath all the way. And I remember I blew the air out. Like, mm-hmm. it came so fast. He's like, okay, get ready to push. And I just remember taking a deep breath in, and then on my first push, like, for some reason, I blew all the air out, but then I had, still had to push two yeah, more times with no air. <laughs> yeah, no, that was rough. So, so yeah, that second set, we wasn't very much progress, but, like, you could tell you started to get a little worried yeah. there too. Cause I could tell from, from you and I could tell from, from them, like I did, I like knocked it out of the park my first round. Yeah. And then my second ones, not a whole lot happened. And yeah, I think you everybody gotta got a, your flow. I know. I know. But flow. you got to stay focused on, I them. could hear all those monitors and like, you were about the wrong. I know, but I'm too aware of things. And like, I feel like I understand a lot when it comes to that type of stuff. Like I could hear the differences in her heart rate and I could hear all that stuff. And I did, I got in my head yeah. in the middle there. Yeah. And, but that, but I think your third, your third set, you, you end up killing it. It was, yeah. like, it was your best one. Cause you, you end up making the most progress. Yeah. Cause you still, the second set, you still was like, it was like really like only the butt that was like, yeah. you know, yeah. teetering with coming out. So my second set, well, not so good. My no, third the, set when, made up for it. Yeah. And how much of her was out by that third set? I think like all of it, really. Literally, I think I pu- I pushed for fifteen minutes. I think yeah. I had I had three contractions, three rounds of pushes. I think the third round you got. And her she out. was out. Yeah. It was. And Rico announced, you know, the gender. Like everyone in the room yeah. knew. Like obviously, it wasn't a surprise. The baby's butt came out first. So <laughs> all of you that are like, "What was it like?" Like we knew before she was even out of my body. Yeah. Although I didn't know, everybody else knew, but you didn't. Waited. You didn't say anything until she was fully out of me. But I wasn't even looking at that. I was. I was. Did you even notice? I didn't. I you was, didn't. I was more worried about like trying to like keep you, you know, focused. Yeah. And, you no, know. you were a really good coach. Like you were very encouraging. Yeah. Um, about that. So nobody announced the gender, and I just said like. So anybody who need a breech baby later on in life. I might take up doula in. Doula in. Doula in. I'm about to get a t-shirt. Doula in. I'll make you a t-shirt. Yeah. Father's Day is right around the corner. <laughs> I got you. I'm going to be doula in uh, 2030, all right? Oh, my goodness. Let me know. Let me know. Let him know. Being like, Bree. He applies really great counter pressure. <laughs> let me let you know. <laughs> oh, I can get you any. I can beatbox any. Uh song you want while, while you go out there. so luna is born <laughs> they put her on my chest which is a moment that literally i dreamed of manifested saw so vividly happening rico was like it's a girl and i was like i know like we knew it was a girl we didn't actually know like nobody knew the gender of yeah. the baby but luca as i've shared on instagram he told us the entire time like it's a baby sister and he's the most intuitive child on the face of the planet so there really wasn't an ounce of me that thought I was having a boy at this point. Like when he stuck to his guns for nine whole months of a baby sister, like this last month, I was like, this is going to be a girl. I wanted another girl too. I know. I know. I always say like boys. I, I know this might my. It's okay. Go for it. Say be a little, everybody might think. This ain't sexist. I took a sexist class at. Uh, That's completely beside the yeah, point. But um, I wanted another girl. Yeah, I wanted another girl. Um, I'm, boys, I think it's just easier 
in life and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. you can just kick them into anything and they kind of can like, you know, mm-hmm. we can kind of get through the world by just playing football. Okay. Or, you know, just I, like opportunity like wise, yeah. you're saying it's a yeah. little easier. I yeah. would agree. Girls, y'all, you actually got to like, you know, sculpt them. You know, you actually got to like have a plan. You got to have like, you know, you know, college. Because you know, like, think about it, even girls sports, like they make a lot of money and stuff like that, but it's still not on the same level mm-hmm. as like the guys, which mm-hmm. is weird, but we'll get on that. More on that another day. <laughs> yeah. But just because of, like, man, I love Kobe, too, man. And just, you yeah. know, he took pride in, you know, being, like, a, a girl dad. And I know I spoke about I mean, be, being a being a, a dad to daughters, I feel like is, that's a big role. Because your daughters look to, to you on what to expect yeah. from a man. A man. Yeah. So like you, it's gonna be hella tough. Listen, I'm, I work for that. I know. That's what I I'm saying, that. though. Like, there's not gonna be anybody on their love, their playing field yeah. when it comes time to like date. That's that's good enough. I, I don't think any. Perfect, but I don't think make it super hard. Listen, I don't think any dad thinks that any man is good enough for their girls. You know, but like, you're. I don't. I, I mean, make it super you're gonna hard. make it super hard. Yeah. I need to start opening doors and stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, you do. No, you do. I'm not going to lie to you. Let's add that to the goal list, okay? <laughs> you think you're a single parent all the time. I know. I'm so season. I'm so used to doing everything you're on my own. But you can open the door for me. Here. I'm trying to look cool to walk slow. Listen, I've got things to get done. I can't walk slow. I've got kids I got to keep up with. But but anyway. I'm not to crease my shoe. Okay, so stop it. So let's get let's get back to it. So you wanted another you wanted another daughter. Honestly, I didn't I didn't care. I was so I was so in the mindset of if it's a girl, Lennon will have a sister. And I think sisters are a super important relationship in life. Like I just, I, f- I feel very strongly about the relationship between sisters. I think it's, I think it's an incredible, it's an incredible thing to go through your life with a sister. So if that was the case that Lennon was going to have a sister, I, I was excited for that on the same token Lennon could have been the only girl, middle child, and rocked that role just as well if it was yeah. a boy. Like, she is the most adaptable, perfect child to be whatever it was that she was going to be. And don't even get me started on Luca. Luca has made me, like, my heart for him has grown. I cannot, I cannot even put into words the way that he loves Luna. Like the pride that he has in that being his little sister, just watching that, like he was made to be the firstborn boy to a set of sisters. Like there is no doubt in my mind. And between you being their dad and Luca being their brother, like these girls are going to be and do anything that they want with their life. And the amount of pride that I feel knowing that like God saw me fit to raise two women. Like that's something that I'm still like, I'm still, I still get emotional about like a couple times a day because that is like, wow. It's just a, it's a very real thing. Like the role of women in our life and like being a woman, it's like, we we're really like, we're really strong and we do really incredible things and we really do carry the world. And just knowing that like, I've been entrusted with two daughters you know, to raise up and, and to be that mother figure too. It's just like, you know, my mind is still blown. So that's a complete tangent, but we got back to the labor and delivery room. Everything was fine with Luna. She was not 
we had no name. This is another thing a lot of people have asked mm-hmm. about. Like, think about how much time we spent during my pregnancy bouncing off names. And All kinds of. Think about, we had, this child had so many different names, yeah. whether it was a boy or a girl. And yeah. we had nothing locked in place. I think people thought we were lying to them when they're like, what are your names? And we're like, we don't oh, know. No. <laughs> you know, like, I really think even our family was like, they're definitely lying. They definitely have names. Like, we did not have a name. Yeah. And I was worried about that. I was worried that the baby was going to be born and we were going to leave the hospital with a nameless child. Yeah, we were about to take one of them Elon Musk names. <laughs> if you don't know what he's talking about, <laughs> Elon, he like named it like star, asterisk, upside down triangle, like yeah. all of these symbols. I don't I even know. what it is. It's probably too complex. For us you to can look it up. You can, it's actually a name. I looked it up, but I don't know. It's like, Google it. Look it up right now while I'm telling the rest of the story. Um, so everything checked out with baby. She was healthy. She was able to be put on my chest like... I never had that before with C-sections. I would just get wheeled away to like the recovery room and I was so out of it that they would like bathe them and then I would get to hold them once like the drugs had worn off and this was just, what? this was just so different. Did you find the name? Yeah, so it's a, it's a X, a A and an E connected together and A, a dash 12. And how do you say it? I know it's like, you can actually pronounce it though. Because I looked it up. I was like, this is crazy. Pronounce... Ash and then a twelve. Okay, not not terrible. Nah, different. Why did you say name of Ash a <laughs> twelve? We'll never know. Maybe <laughs> might, we will. Yeah. Let us know if you're listening. Yeah. So we get back to the room that I had labored in, like the labor and delivery room across the hallway, and Doctor Tate brought in like the residents and the people that were in the birth just to kind of like debrief them. They're you know they're students after all, and. We hadn't even been in the room for five minutes. At least it felt that way to me. Was it like super fast that she got her name? Yeah. It was super quick. Yeah. So Dr. Tate says to the residents, most of the time when a woman is in labor and you are assisting in delivery, the words that everybody waits to hear is that the baby is crowning, <laughs> which means for those of you that aren't familiar, crowning means the head is visible. So the, the baby is getting ready to be born. Like that is like the pinnacle moment of like, you're almost there. Like you're getting ready to meet your baby. So he said, but in this case, as all of you just witnessed, that baby wasn't crowning. She was mooning. (laughs) And I looked over at Rico and I said, Luna. And he was like, Luna Rose. Cause we, we knew all along the middle name was going to be Rose just because I had shared again on Instagram, like, I was just so drawn to Rose scent. Like everything about Rose is my whole pregnancy. It's almost like she knew exactly what it was that she wanted to be named. <laughs> and and when Dr. Tate said she was mooning, I was like, oh my gosh, I've always loved the name Luna. I think it's a beautiful name. But now that there was so much meaning behind that story that yeah. we get to share that with her and like that, that her and I did that together. Yeah. Like we really, like she, we did that together. Like yeah. I did a lot of it and, but she did too. Like she knew exactly how she wanted to be born. So that was how her name came to be. She, she was named within five, 10 minutes of being back in the um, labor and delivery room. And we never wavered from it. Like she was just Luna Rose. Like I looked yeah. at her and I'm like, that's exactly who you are. And so what else? I'm trying to think. How, one of the questions was, how long were we in the hospital? We were in the hospital. We got out super fast. We were, I was, I actually asked like if we could go home like that Tuesday that I delivered. I was like, can we go home tonight? And, and they said, you know, no, baby has to be checked out at 24 hours. So yeah. we were in the hospital 
Luna was born 7.01 a.m. We were discharged noon the next day. Super fast. Um, I was able to make it to work. Rico was able to make it home to get on for team meeting, which was awesome. Another question was what the hospital was like with COVID. I was not concerned at all. It was clean. It It was was clean. Yeah, it, it wasn't very many people moving. Everybody was very cautious. Every person we interacted with had a mask and gloves on. Yeah. And... I had to labor in my mask until I was tested for COVID and my test results came back. So they did like a rapid test on me. I was negative. So I was able to remove my mask, which was a game changer. If you were in common areas, you had to wear your mask, but we weren't like we were in our room. You weren't able to leave. Like the one person that came with you to check into the hospital was the one person that was able to leave with you. So like no family was able to visit you know, it was just, it was Rico and I, when we arrived and Rico and I and Luna, when we left, like that was it. So pick your your poison. I mean, choose choose your your person wisely. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a, there were so many questions pertaining to VBAC. So I'm just going to do a separate episode to address all of those, but there was a lot of people asking about the state of my vagina. So I'm just going to go ahead and address it. (laughs) Sorry if this is awkward. Do you not want me to address it? I don't care. So I did not tear. A lot of you asked me, like, I'm a labor and delivery nurse, or I'm just curious, like, what happened to your vagina? Nothing happened to my vagina. And I don't know if it's because I took baths with oil my whole pregnancy. I don't know if it's just because I'm super lucky, but... I get you right. Yeah. yeah. It's just as good as it, it was going to the hospital <laughs> as it was leaving. So I feel very fortunate for that because I will not lie. That was... One of the first questions when my doctor told me that he does deliver breech vaginal, I literally looked at him and I was like, I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, but like what happens to a woman when that, when she delivers a breech baby? Like I just, I had to know that was one of my questions. Like that, I'm curious, I'm curious. That matters. Like that's a part of my body and that matters. Hell hell yeah. So, um, that's it. Right. Yeah. I think we covered all the bases. Yeah. I think you you can finish your, your solo. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a solo episode, like, just mostly on VBAC. Yep. I just wanted to be a part, because I was there. You were there. You rocked it. it. I was proud of you. List. Seriously. I mean, you didn't eat for, like, four days afterwards from, like, yeah, the adrenaline. Yeah, you get, like, an adrenaline kick out of it. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, you, I just remember looking at him, like, are you going to eat anything? Like, you really, you really do get an adrenaline rush, like, nothing else. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So, she's here. She's perfect. I can't wait for more people to get to meet her. I mean, this being born during COVID is like a whole different, you know, no one's like coming over to visit. It's just, we're not going anywhere still, but it's actually really beautiful to just have that time to kind of fall into like the nor the new normal as a family, but we are excited to share her with everybody too. So that's it. Luna Rose Allen. Oh, she was seven pounds and 20 inches. So of pure perfection. And she is a, a perfect combination of um, Luca and of Lenny. So I'm excited to see what she, what she turns out to be. Yep. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Bye. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in. When you have a chance, rate and review. Hit subscribe to stay all in with new episodes. And if you enjoy All In with the Allens, be sure to share with a friend. In the meantime, follow along with our daily journeys on Instagram at grace.e.allen and ricardoallen37. Thanks again for joining and we'll see you soon. You. Yeah. <laughs>